Hey guys, I hope all is well. Alex Kapitko here, Centered from Reality Podcast. I am speaking before the intro to let you know that I had a great, fun, multifaceted, just wide-ranging conversation with Maria Tribe, my good friend from Spain. Uh, She was the one I aired her voice memo to me on the podcast earlier this week about the Spanish Women's Soccer Federation controversy, sexism, all that stuff. And I brought her back. We had about a two-hour-long podcast. And what I did is I broke it up into two segments. So you're going to hear the first one now. And then tomorrow, you're going to hear the second part of it. I decided to break it up for listening's sake because this podcast is usually, you know, 20 to 40 minutes typically. So you're going to hear the first half after I'm done talking. And tomorrow, you will hear the second half. So now, here is Maria Tribe, her conversation with me, part one. Hey, what up? Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Centered From Reality podcast. Alex Kapitko here, and I'm lucky. We are crossing numerous time zones. I'm here in California. It is almost midnight on yeah, so it's I guess we're still on Saturday, and I am talking with my friend Maria Tribe, who is in Spain. So that's like I, I want to say about four. Well, actually, like we have three U.S. time zones, and then whatever the Atlantic counts as nine hour difference. Morning for her, evening for me. Well, almost not evening or early morning for me. And uh, Maria and I met in Spain teaching English. We worked together the first year I was there in Madrid, in Las Rosas specifically. And we remain close friends. I have always found Maria's perspectives fascinating. For example, we, you know, we were not friends at first, but along the way, we became very close friends. And now I'm honored to call her probably one of my best friends, to be honest. And I've always found that we've had some really good political conversations, great cultural conversations. Her perspective growing up in Spain to English, Irish parents and, you know, kind of basically her growing up in Spain, living with expats, living in Spain, a lot of interesting perspectives. She grew up in the Spanish system, the Spanish school system, played soccer, football, I guess we'll call it football for you, Maria, for this, all of the above though. And so she was the one I played the 10 minute clip during the podcast a few days ago. I got some good feedback on that. I think she has some interesting insight as a woman growing up in a culture that I would argue is pretty machismo, even if it's getting better. So we're going to cover a lot of things here. But but Maria, um, yeah, you're how, how is it waking up Sunday? We're, we're literally two days difference. Like it's kind of like time travel right now, if you think about it. It's, it is uh, time travel. I feel like I should be paid. Time <laughs> of the morning on a Sunday. Um, but yeah, no, 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 it's good to be able to come on to your podcast and, uh, yeah, give you a bit of an insight of what life has been like here in Spain for me as a, as a kid, um, and also what's happening now and yeah, just to, to give other people from around the world who, 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 uh, hopefully are listening in can, uh, get an idea of what's what's going on here but uh yeah 
basically just trying to wake up. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, as a wake up, why don't you, this will be your little palate cleanser. Why don't you just tell the listeners a little more about yourself? I just brushed the surface. Like what are some things the listeners should know about you? And then I'm going to ask you some pressing questions before we get into Spanish soccer, but yes. Okay. Uh, so I, uh, my, my parents are both uh, Irish and English background. Um, I actually was born in Colombia um and but I was raised here in Spain and basically have lived in a very multicultural kind of background because between being in international schools and then uh, having the outside life uh, being all in Spanish um it's been a very interesting sort of mix of uh, growing up uh yeah basically just trying to navigate life with what what it's like to have an international sort of background um and yet still live in a country where uh things can be quite different from other countries and you sort of learn how to adapt to all those changes and those ins and outs of yeah basically having an international background it's a pretty it's you know i have to say not i wouldn't know of many people who probably have a similar background to mine to be quite fair so yeah yeah, I mean, I think we could probably do a whole other podcast. Maybe we will down the road about just <laughs> all of all of the above you mentioned. I mean, but I guess what what I, I I'm always curious about is Colombian born, UK and Ireland parents grew up and still live in Spain. Like, do you feel kind of an allegiance to one of those three places more than others, or do you just kind of feel like you're a a, a person of the world more? I, you know what, over the many years of trying to figure out where I fit in, I think I'm a kind of all over the world kind of person. Um, when we talk about, you know, this is a question that's always been brought up to me as, you know, when I was a bit younger is, what do you feel more like Spanish? Do you feel more English, Irish, uh, Colombian? And it's a very mixed feeling because there's certain things that I can probably relate to more from the English Irish Irish sorry side of things, or um, also with the the Spanish side of things. There's just certain things. You know what it is. I think more than anything is I've got a a bit of the best of both worlds more than anything. So um, there's pros and cons to everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I I think as I grew to know you, it was just always fascinating to hear your perspectives on things because I love Spain. I dreamed to go back there. I was watching a show earlier and seeing European monuments and I still just go, shit, I need to, you know, get back there as fast as possible. But I, but I feel like a lot of Spain's perspective, like the people in Spain don't have the same perspective you might as someone who's just been, you know, globetrotting, but or not globe trotting. That's maybe not the correct way to put it. But no, I mean, there's uh, you know, I haven't actually done any. I mean, there's people who love globe trotting and actually have experienced different cultures all over the place. That's not so much my case, but certainly I get a bit of an insight of of both at least within the 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 UK and uh, Ireland and Spain. Those are my three main bases, along with obviously knowing people from my uh schools because but both of the schools that i've been in were a british run school and an american run school so 
but but in Spain, you know, so you get a bit of a taste of what you would sometimes consider like, oh, I, you have an idea of what they bring out in movies and stuff. It's just, would I say it's about the same? Maybe a little bit of certain things could be just, you know, um, but yeah, it, it's definitely given me different perspectives and also meeting different people. Don't mm-hmm. forget, because a lot of these international schools, they have kids who come from different backgrounds and different, uh, um, yeah, sort of upbringings. So it's given me an interesting sort of view of certain things or places. Speaking of perspectives then, um, and American culture, uh, you and I have both seen Barbie. Um, I always, you know, I got to ask, I mean, Barbie, what are your thoughts? I mean, Ben Shapiro says it's ruining the the cultural norms of the country and it's a movie that should be banned and blah, blah, blah. I mean, what do you think about Barbie? Uh Yeah, I've been wanting to ask you because I know we briefly talked about it. But before we get into the real stuff, let's start with a little palate cleanser. Okay, Uh, so, you know, it was really a very hyped up movie. Um, Rightfully so. There you go. You know what? When it first sort of came out, Barbie, um, in my head straight away, it's like, no way. No way in hell am I going to go watch Barbie. Because I, I kind of just assumed it would be all, well, what you imagine Barbie as a child. It's like all girly, frilly kind of stuff, which really I never took an interest in anyways as a kid. So I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to go and see that. But then I started hearing that actually there was a political tone to it all and I thought huh I wouldn't mind seeing that just to see what it's all about because it started pulling away from the whole cheesy pinky world that we know it as to suddenly oh it's good. there's a political thing behind it and I was like I'd be really interested to see what that is about um but I I, I don't want to spoil it for anybody who listens to your podcast in case somebody hasn't quite watched it yet I mean, it's but been hey. out for like two months now so I mean if they haven't oh, well, seen then- it you know, I'm gonna throw out spoilers then. So anybody who hasn't watched it, yeah, yeah, just skip along or whatnot. But um, for for me, you know, you you've known me now well enough for for for, for quite a few years now. I I would describe myself as a feminist, that's for sure. But I wouldn't say I'm a, you know, I don't claim myself to be a radical feminist. There's there's a lot of that. That's another term that a lot of people just cringe at oh feminist what like oh here we go but it's like there are different types of feminists and so believe it or not I went and watched it with with some friends and I have to say like I liked the idea of it all but I felt that, that it was just too much crammed in one movie and just a little bit for me in my head, like a bit all over the place, not all over the place in pl- in terms of like, you know, what they the messages they wanted to put across, but it was just all really condensed into this movie. Mm-hmm. And in my brain, for example, it's just like, I get people want to bring that out. I understand that there needs to, you know, it needs to be spoken about and what perfect way then through Barbie because you know you least expect it through that but i would um, like to be i would like to be beach as my profession as ken's was ken was good <laughs> at beach what and- was it uh well away from the beach mi casa uh <laughs> my dojo uh whatever it was well um, i i i think both of us know that the most like like 
masculine man is going to dress up as Ken for Halloween this year. You know it's going to happen. Like, we're going to see. It would be great. It would be great to see that. I don't know why. I mean, I, guaranteed, no, 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 no. You know, uh, you know, Ryan Gosling had, uh, you know, he's he's a good-looking man and uh, has got the built physique for, physique for it, but... Uh, I'm interested to see the 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 the, the beer belly guys to go out and try and be <laughs> me cast on my dojo. <laughs> wear that fur, wear that like fur coat shit that he's wearing with you know the whole and the bandana, the whole bandana across oh, yeah. his head, just like the whole trying to make Barbie not you know play aloof basically with Barbie like oh yeah look at my house look at my muscles oh you know. See, I would I would say though like like what you were saying though like. I think the movie was so in your face and so crammed that's a, that it's actually what I liked about it was that it was just so such a comical but like direct interpretation of like so many feminist political issues that it was yeah. almost just like sit down for the ride in the Barbie mobile and just do it you know I yeah I I, I think for, for you know it's it's quite funny to see quite a few you know quite a few people come out and go like that oh, was amazing that was great. And I think maybe definitely great for a lot of the younger generation who are beginning to really pick up on on Me Too movements and um, yeah, giving you that you know that that sort of other side of things that some like myself back in the heyday didn't have that was not within movies and stuff as such. I mean, it was. It depended on the movies, you know. Like if you if you go back in time. And, you know, um, if you go back to, who was it, Dolly Parton and Jane Fonda and mm. uh, Lily, I'd like to say Lily Thompson, probably, Nine to Five, the film, or the I musical. that is. Oh, man, Alex. <laughs> oh, dude. It is a really good feminist film of its time. Um, basically, just women dealing with a very sexist boss in the best possible way. And it's just very well done um it's, it, it still is you know uh, I, you probably even heard the song nine to five have you heard yeah, of the song? Sure. yeah mm-hmm. so that's where it comes from and um it's just these three women who have uh create a really good friendship bond at work and uh dealing with a really yeah a chauvinistic uh boss he thinks he can do what he wants and it's great that was a really good film because it was very well thought out with the with the, the definitely things that they would say and you could relate to it barbie for me was like a heavy syrup that <laughs> you have to try and digest slowly for me in my in my head like it was a little too sweet it was a little too superfluous to be yeah it was a bit it was just like I get it. I understand what you're trying to do with it, but like, I don't know. I felt like there could have been a better sort of storyline to it um, than just, well, poor Ken trying his utmost best to try and win Barbie over by turning into, yeah, into into uh, a bit of a Josh Hawley masculine nutbag. I don't know. There, there you go. Yeah, and it's just like, uh, you know. You well, sort of walk away feeling a bit sorry for him, actually. Well, well, like, like actually, you, you touched on that. And I don't want to get too far into the weeds here, but I feel like the movie obviously focuses on Ken going down some, like, hyper-masculine rabbit hole and coming back and stuff. But, like, it, it kind of flips gender equity on its head, I think, at the beginning. So, like, 
but they all treat the guys like shit, right? From the beginning. And then it's it's really not shocking to me that they go to the US, see how the real world is, and then they come back and are like, you know what? We're being treated wrong. And I think that to me, I, I kind of liked that metaphor because I think that's how a lot of women feel, but flipped completely alternative. Oh, for you sure. Know? The whole the whole concept at the beginning is like, you know, Barbie has this great wonderland mm-hmm. of just all her gal, gal pals together. And uh, you know, Ken and the other guys are all really trying to get Barbie's attention. Although let let's but you know, they're all called Barbie and they're all called Ken's, but yeah, that got confusing by the way, actually. <laughs> But, the, you know, the whole, yeah, it was basically roles reversed. That yeah. The men weren't getting all the attention and were sort of just left to the side. So the girlfriend had fun. So, then, so yeah. yeah, yeah, no, totally. And not to interrupt, but like, so diving deeper, like, what is feminism to you? you because see, I, is, I, I think it, I, I think the term very, has been so just, yeah. it's, it's been so used in different directions, you know, in modern times. For me, Feminism has always been about equality. There's this concept or idea that feminism is, oh, you want more than the men do. You want you want to, to be better than men. You want to be, you know, all these things. It's like we somehow or other it's turned into this definition of like, we want more, we want better, we are better, uh, look at us kind of thing. And it's not that. It's definitely not that. It's just the basic asking of equality. If you have a man and a woman doing the same exact job for a long time, and still in some companies, not all, now it's becoming to be a bit, you know, better sort out, but you would have a man and a woman um, and the, doing the same job, equally as good. Some, some, Sometimes even the woman would be at times better. Yet the man was getting paid more than the woman. Why? Mm-hmm. My question to that is why? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, hap- it It was spoken about even within movies. That, um, that I can't remember which movie it was, but I know it had to do with uh, Mark Wahlberg and, and his counterpart, who is another famous actress, but I, I just can't remember her name. They were both, you know... The main characters, yet Mark Holberg was getting an extreme, like a way higher pay than she was. And well, why? Why does he get that? Oh, because maybe people think, um, you know, that he he's been around longer, or he's you know more, you know, famous than the other one. Even though the other one is really quite, you know, famous. I don't think that it should be based on that. It should be. They've both got equal roles in this movie. I think they should both be paid equally. It's as simple as that. It's it's equality. It's not we want more, we want better, we want I mean, yeah, we would love to have better for everybody. But what I'm saying is feminism for me has turned into, into such a, a hateful word. Like people go, oh, feminism, oh, you know. Um, and there are radical feminists. There are radical feminists who who, who you know really have a very strong um dislike about certain things uh and guaranteed there are certain things about me or what i think that does have that slight touch of it because you had to deal with sexism throughout your entire life that there is a level of you know um dislike hate is a a strong word but there is that element where you go like 
Yeah, there's just certain things. But the, my main point is feminism should be and based in my head, equality. It's basic equality. It's like talking about human rights only, basic equality between men and women. That's yeah, so you're not – yeah, so you're – because I, I totally agree with that. And so you're not as much on the equity side. You're more on the equality side where like equity would be like you help raise up a group that's historically been marginalized and help them get opportunities that can help them catch up. But sometimes then it creates a disparity in the in-group. You know, so like, because I, I think that's where you get these like toxic masculine people like Andrew Tate, you know, for mm-hmm. example, oh, yeah. just just the one I think of where he's or even the Tucker Carlson's or so many men or in Spain, as we'll get to. I think there's like, well, if we like like they don't want to kowtow to just gender equality because yeah. they're like, oh, that means I'm going to lose a job or I'm going to be treated poorly because I do think there are some feminists and it, I think it comes down to race as well and other topics where like yeah. if you've been marginalized for so long that you're willing to like get a step ahead to kind of, you know, kind of get even. And I and I yeah. think that then creates kind of a toxicity on the other side where you do get these like anti-feminist type of dudes like Andrew Tate, who's like, oh, women needs to be in the kitchen and I'm making the money and and I, yeah. I, I feel like there's a lot of insecurity amongst people because they're worried, oh, women want to take over society and take our jobs and blah, blah, blah. And it's oh, like, yeah. no. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot of, you know, you wouldn't believe it, but last night I, I certainly had uh, two 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 guys because basically we're going to talk about the, the wonderful situation. With yeah, it's the, a perfect the segue here. here. <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, I had to deal with two guys. I don't God knows whether, I think one was from the UK and the other one was from, I don't know, somewhere in Africa. Docker. And the way they, you know, their comments towards me were very hateful, very hateful because they didn't like what I was saying. And their only way to express themselves is just throwing out absolute hate on you. And they don't like it. They don't like, I could sense that thing of like, ah, what you have to say hasn't, yeah, it is just, uh, you don't exist. You don't count. You you, you don't know. You know. You you're stupid woman. You don't. You're talking a load of uh, bollocks and all this stuff. And it's just like, okay, that's the only way you can express yourself is like a 15 year old teenage angry boy. Is that the only way you can, you know, um, you can deal with a comment like mine? You can't even deal with a comment to try and give back a healthy answer. You, you know, you can. Di- Everybody can agree to disagree, correct? You and I have had that, and, oh, yeah. and we we try and learn to, you know, there's times where you can learn to agree to disagree, but in a manner where you can as be as respectful as possible with the situation, and you can either end the conversation and walk away from the conversation and, you know, start a whole other conversation, or you put down your ideas of the reasons why you disagree, mm-hmm. And it could potentially help the other person maybe see it from another point of view or maybe not. But there's certainly certain ways people can deal with it. These guys were just straight up, basically just, you know, silly woman, you have no clue. You have no, you know, rah, 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 me, man, you woman, you, you, you shut up. And I, you know, what I say is, uh, is, uh, um, you know, law and order kind of attitude. And it's just like, wow, there are so, it's sad. It's just, yeah, it's it's sad because I just find it like, 
that, that it's still that it's still a very heavy thing. It, it, it's there. It's still within culture. Um, that this is the attitude, and yeah. So getting into yeah. culture, because yeah, I mean, I I mean, I, I I will just wrap that up by saying like, I I think that our culture and it's not even the United States. I think it's Spain, France, the UK, like a lot of Western Europe and the United States. Mm -hmm. We are in such a weird part because like the politics of the U S are also creeping into every other country in Western Europe, you know, kind of this reactionary right wing Mm -hmm. kind of like masculine, like kind of neo reactionary. I don't want to say fascist because I don't think it's particularly true, but there is a reaction to equity and equality Mm -hmm. happening. And, and I think a lot of people aren't willing to like totally accept that or deal with that. So because they're not willing to look at you like you and I do and have a conversation and, and actually maybe learn some points, they just go into kind of tribal mode, which is just, I'm historically more powerful and I've had more, you know, ability to speak my mind. So I'm just going to back into that and not care about what you have to say. Yeah. I, um, I think that's the thing is uh, there's an idea that women are wanting to get more and have more, all that. Concept. Because the politicians have on the right, especially have told people that that's what's going to happen. They're like, oh, if you have a gender neutral bathroom, everyone's going to be trans. Or if you, you know, accept gay marriage, then everyone's going to be gay. Or if you give women's, you know, yeah, if you, if you give them a slight, even if you give them a slight, it's the whole like once they get the foot their foot through the door, that's it. You know, everything that we've worked so hard for for all these years to keep everybody at bay, it's it's over. It's all over for us. So we must fight to continue this, keeping every, all the minorities, no matter who they are, we we must keep them. You know, hold them back basically, and. It's this constant worry, and I just think, I think it's sad to be living in that kind of state of mind of just like th- this fear. But also, it's not just fear; it's also there's a level of hate in it, which is just so. It's sad. It's sad that people have that mentality in it, um, or, or of it, or however they want to see it. But can I yeah. read you a line really quick from the Economist from today? It's it's more Perfect. about politics. But I think it applies to this as well. And it talks about how political and tribal connection are good in society. Like it's good to identify with people that you agree with. Mm -hmm. But then it says, and I'm going to read the quote here. Unfortunately, the love of us as a group has an ugly cousin, the fear and suspicion of them, a paranoid nationalism that works against tolerant values, such as openness to unfamiliar people and new ideas. What is more cynical Politicians have come to understand that they can exploit this sort of nationalism by whipping up mistrust, creating hatred, and harnessing them to benefit themselves and their cronies. Totally and 100% agree with that. I think that's very true. I mean, not to touch on a on a very <laughs> uh, <laughs> type of uh, topic in the U.S., but I find it very sad that so many people have the need uh for i mean you know where my thoughts are the the idea of having a gun you know for protection in your home because it's kind of sad when i think about all these people who have guns in their homes because they don't quite trust Hmm. the neighbors 
You never know what might go down. You never, mm -hmm. and I'm just like, here we have the door wide open all summertime. And the only thing that comes in is probably a stray cat to eat our cat food. Oh God. Or bats. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, you know, I'm, I'm not, I've, I've been brought up in a culture where that isn't needed or feared for or whatnot of, uh, I, I just need to have a, but you know, that's, those are cultural differences. It's just that it is, you know, for for the long longest of time that is within the the US culture of, of the amendments that you have, etc. And like we've always spoken about that, it's it's not going to change. It's really hard to change because it's not you, you know it's just it's been so ingrained. But it's true. There's a lot of mistrust, and uh, yeah, they they the politicians. Uh, certainly play their tune to try and keep that live, you know, and the the mistrust amongst each other, yeah, which is a real shame because it really stops a lot of people really trying to think a bit more outside of the box yeah. and be able to communicate properly with people. Uh, yeah, I think I, I totally agree with that. Uh, Absolutely. That Absolutely. And, you know, I I don't think we... I don't think this will be the podcast to debate guns, but of course, when you have a divided society and you have people that have the have a view of justice that they can bring into their own hands and a form of self defense, yeah. it obviously it just exasperates the entire problem. So I, I, I yeah. but why don't you? Because I, I think this has been a good segue into what's going on in Spain. You have kind of yeah. a, a a divided culture. I mean, because at the end we'll probably talk a little bit about Spanish politics, but. I think Spain is pretty divided as well. You kind of have an old versus new, right? You have like the cities that Spain has some of the most LGBTQ plus friendly laws in all of yeah. Europe. Um, but then they also have some of the most insane like neo-Franco parties that are also growing, you know? And I think yeah. like, I'll, I'll get into my thoughts later on that. Like why I think like this whole soccer sexism thing all, all relates to kind of that, but why don't you give the listeners a fairly brief so we can get to talking about it more, but just a background on what's happened. I obviously talked about it in the podcast a few days ago where I shared your voice thing, but for those maybe that haven't listened, um, why don't you just give a background maybe on what's happened since the world cup? Yeah. I mean, well, we, we had, as yeah, the world cup, uh, women's world cup that had been, uh, for the first time, I think probably the most viewed World Cup in a very long time, well, at all in the history of the Women's World Cups. Uh, Spain obviously won the World Cup, which uh, to a degree was, to, to my surprise, but they played so, so well. Um, so, yeah, I was really uh, impressed by that. Um, but, yeah, it just comes, what's happened obviously is, uh, within the celebrations, Luis Rubiales, who is the president of the Spanish Football um, Federation, uh, whatnot, he, I don't know, he 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 um just planted that sort of peck kiss, whatever you want to call it, on uh, on uh, the player Jenny Hermosa, and. For 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 a bit, I guess it's sort of just excitement and how everybody's happy, and then people are beginning to go like, "Whoa, what just happened there?" And like, yeah, a lot of people started to call that out, you know, because uh, 
it'd been seen by many, well, is worldwide um, shown. And uh, yeah, it sort of just really blew up, unfortunately, for the women's team who should be out there celebrating and enjoying their, their win and whatnot has blown into a huge discussion about, well, basically the underlying underlying sexism that there is within the culture here and has resonated, I guess, with so many people around the world, whether they're further forward in those kind of uh, views or even some countries are still very far behind, even, you know, far, further behind than us here in Spain. And it's just sort of, yeah, it's just brought that part of our society here to the forefront of like this is this has always been happening. It's not, it's not, but it's just because in that one moment on a world stage, it was just shown this is this is what it is, this is what it's like. Um so yeah, it's that that's basically it. It's a huge outcry of what happened. It's just uh Rubialis, uh think thinks that the way he behaved is perfectly normal and acceptable for a president. Sorry, I, I, I muted myself during during you yeah. talking, but um, do you think Rubiales will resign and he will get backlash, or do you think this goes under the rug? Rubiales, I think, will, from what I've been, I've you know what? I've had to switch off quite a lot from from the situation because it just angers me. Um, mm. The way it's being handled is uh, the longest, this is the longest, what I would call the longest sweeping under the rug I've seen so far. Um, I think Rubiales will be let go or suspended. I mean, he's already been suspended by FIFA for 90 days. Um, and then on top of that, I think there apparently there's certain things that can't really happen. So he's still he's still lingering there somehow or other. He's lost right. certain rights and and uh, uh, not just rights. What's the word for it? Um, ah, in words in Spanish, it would be a capricho. All the little benefits, the little benefits yeah, you get when sure. you're when you're you know high up there. Uh, like they've said, they've taken away his chauffeur. They've taken away his. Oh no, not the chauffeur. Not the chauffeur. Certain amount of money from him, uh, whatever kind of help he was getting for whatever, you know, all these little mini benefits he had. Apparently, they've ta they've taken those away from him, but he's still there in the background, and I don't think they're really going to get fully either rid of him or whatnot. But um, I think it's the typical thing. It's just the longest roundabout way to get rid of somebody um, when the ideal thing would have been him to apologize and step down. And then I'm pretty sure I could guarantee you it would have been over much quicker than all this long doubt situation that, that that's been caused. Interesting. So, um, <clears throat> um, how do you, I guess, how do you think Spanish culture and just like either historical traditions or norms has made this itch issue maybe continue or persist because look, we've talked about the U S I'll probably ask you some more about the U S at the end, but I feel like, uh, um, section nine mm -hmm. or article nine, sorry. Um, 
we've basically given a lot of rights to female athletes in the United States. And I feel like we've seen, for example, women's soccer in the United States really flourish. And of course, yeah, you have Fox News and the Trump type of people making jokes about them. But I feel like you don't have this blatant sexism that's so persistently visual. Um, like, do you think there's anything specific in kind of Spain's culture that kind of has allowed this to persist? Uh, yeah. Um, if we take it several years back, or even, well, not several, many, many years back, one needs to kind of remember that this, the Spanish uh, Civil War wasn't that long ago. I mean, it, it was long ago, but it wasn't that long ago, and it's still lingering. And um, that kind of view, but, you know, let's take the Civil War away for a second. The view well, of, of well, actually, women. if I if I could just interrupt for a minute, because as yeah. you know, the Spanish Civil War really gets me hot and heavy because, like, I'm okay, so fascinated great. with it. I I think you did touch on something important there. Is you had a really stratified society where you had kind of a Republican left supported government mm -hmm. that was alienated by Franco's coup, which was quite traditionalist, Catholic, monarchist, and very into kind of a stratified class society. And, and traditional values. So I, I, I'm actually glad you brought that up because I think that's interesting. Sorry, I, I digress. No, no. Uh, I think as we probably know from all angles, the concept or the, the idea of, of women is they stay home, they make the food, uh, they look after the kids, they do all the washing, they do all the tidying. Uh, basically, they take control of the whole lot while the men, the, the, the idea of it was that the men would go off and, and earn the money so of course the women would stay behind, and that you know because they've they've got all day to do that. They've got uh, they've got the mm -hmm. time, as we would say, to do that. But society has moved on now that you know you now have women who have full time jobs, good jobs, and to a degree are still having to hold on to the typical role of the woman, of looking after the kids, uh, taking them to school. I'm not saying this is like, you know, it's all women. No, of course not. There are a lot of now families who've learned to balance that out equally between the father and the mother. Um, and But there is still that element, especially within the more, the older generation, that that's still, it's ingrained in them. My job as a mother is to take care of my kids, protect them, look after them, do everything to, you know, um, and, and my job as a, a wife is to look after my husband and that's cooking him food, that's cleaning his his shit up. It's basically clean up, after, no offense, but clean up after another child, an adult child. I feed him. <laughs> I, yeah, literally, it's, it's, I'll feed, you know, you're literally feeding your kids, tidying up their shit. Well, it's the exact same thing for, for the husband. Come on, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a big baby sometimes. What's wrong with that? Come on. <laughs> Well, hey, you know, I call myself a bit of a baby, but I've been, you know, it, it's it's sort of that concept of that the man goes out and is the breadwinner and the woman sits back and, and has to, well, not sit back, cover everything else, right, to keep everything going. But society has changed and it's, it's you know, we're now getting women getting really top jobs and busy basically all day, every day. Um you know, and if we want to talk about, um, you know, se se uh, sexism, 
or whatnot is um yeah just uh it, it, i mean i'm sorry I'm, I'm getting a little bit distracted here but um point, point being is that um there's still that underlying ingrained concept of the man's role and the women's role and now in a society that's moved on we're trying to figure out how do we equal that out so that men don't feel the sudden i guess pressure that you know that they never had to deal with in the first place for a very long time um i've always said yeah. i've always said that um we need to push public policies not for what we want but what the moment requires there you go right? yeah. and it, uh, it seems to me that on paper spain has done that you know so that's why this kind of confuses me is because you know there's americans that would love to move to spain because mm -hmm. of its policies that are fairly equitable if you're gay or trans madrid for example would be a great place to live you know what i mean for the most part probably more for the gay for, for, for the for the yeah. the gay folk the uh, gay <laughs> that's, a, that's a... you know you know lesbians and gay gays and uh, bisexuals etc trans trans is still still struggling here in spain unless huh. you're very unless you've done pretty damn well to make sure that you certainly don't look mm. um, like the possible you know transition you I might love to get away, but if you're not, we're still, and that terms definitely still really quite backwards. But but yeah, so I mean that aside, I guess my question would be like, on paper, it seems like Spain is a pretty progressive country, at least in terms of like granting access to different groups. Mm -hmm. So do you think there are just ghosts of kind of the past that are still just kind of haunting society to the point where, a, uh, a professional. This is not a guy who's you know, crawling out from Lava Pies after like a wild night out in town. Uh, this is a guy who's a professional who's obviously climbed his way up and understands the system. I think that's what was more surprising to me. It seems a lot like what we saw in the Me Too movement in the United States, where you saw professionals who had been amazing at their craft that were just thinking it was fine to just treat women like they're kind of just part of the whole project. You know, because here's the thing, Spain's done very well to try and move on as much as it can, but due to the actual culture that it is very drawn, you know, it's very drilled into the whole idea of woman stays home, looks after the kids, husband goes off to work, and you, the woman has to, the role is to look after them, like I said. But when there's certain things like, you know, Rubiales, if you look at him, look at the way his mother has shoved herself into a church and is on a, you know, hunger strike. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Wait, can you elaborate on that for a moment? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, the, the mother feels that it's a complete and total witch hunt against her son and therefore has gone to a church, shut herself in, um and is on a hunger strike because she <laughs> she can't stand the fact that her son i guess she's praying as much as she can that her, this all stops and, and stop going after my son and there you have there there you have it is that it's a mother which we understand mothers will 
do anything to to protect their kids and stuff. Yeah. But it's a mother who clearly is very much like my son's done nothing wrong. And why is everybody going after him? And how dare they? And she doesn't see. She clearly doesn't see what he did was wrong or at least admit to look, guys, what he did was wrong. But like, this isn't just about my son. This is like deeper than that. So could we stop looking and picking on the one sole guy? She didn't do that. It's just like, my son's done nothing wrong. Oh, woe me, my family. I'm going to shove myself in a church and go on a hunger strike. Um, wow. You know, his mother is of the the, the time of, of, of the Civil War. You know, she's an elderly lady. Um, she's been brought up in that mindset, you know. And a lot of the grandmothers here um, and some of the great grandmothers here that that's their views of the whole situation is is it's not such a big deal like why is you know but but thinking about like whether the culture persists or not like you taught in a lot of schools you've been around a lot of the spanish youth the youths if you want to say yeah. like what are the what do you see in kids i guess like do you do you see that in kids or is that changing i you know what it's a half and half at the moment you know working Having worked not just in a primary school, but where I really, really would say I'd notice some something would be working in the high school that I did, mm. the secondary school that I worked in, and the teenagers and their their behaviours, right? And the incredible thing about the la the last school that I was at was there was still in some in some kids, boys and girls, there was definitely a lot of sexism. It's definitely uh, the macho uh, behavior. And it was both either in boys and girls. And then on the other side, I would see very expressive kids who had no shame whatsoever in them to say, I'm gay, I'm proud, and, you know, screw everybody else who doesn't like it. <laughs> and that's the first time I've witnessed that truly to be so open, but on both sides. Mm. And that, you have to understand, that comes from, from family first. So Absolutely. whatever's being taught at home, your kid's going to, you know. And there's also not just that. There's also certain kids who I must say, um, there's always the the, 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 the odd, not, not I'm telling saying that the kids are odd. I'm saying that there's always the odd person or the odd teenager who doesn't quite know where to fit in. But they sort of go with one group and they'll just follow with that group. So I had a student who I would consider, I, I would always see him as a really sweet kid, very sweet kid, polite, etc. But he would hang out with the absolute morons of the group. Shitheads. Sorry, I, I don't mean to insult kids or teenagers, but you know when those ones are going to be turn into yeah. scary adults at some point. And he, I would be like, it's sad because I'm like, you could be such, you know, you are a sweet kid. You are, but you're following the trend of these, these, yeah, what you call knuckleheads. Uh, I didn't have of. such a nice term as that, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, you know, but, you know, the typical, as we say in Spanish, you know, chulo, you know, yeah. the one that likes to show off and think they own the freaking place. This kid, in my opinion, it's like, don't follow those idiots. You don't need to follow those idiots. You, you can... Steer away from that, but it's, it's you know, to, 
we all want to find the place or whatever to fit in. And sometimes you follow that. And so it was really interesting to hmm. see a huge divide in that within the teenagers. So God knows what that's going to bring out when they're older. Some well, yeah, I want to just, inter- I want to just interrupt you yeah. for a second. Cause yeah, something you said that actually really fascinates it really fascinates me. Cause I think it's probably true in the U S as well, is that you said like, there's some kids that are just, proud and they don't care you know about coming out early on and they're they don't care what their classmates think and then mm-hmm. you also have other kids that are blatantly fine with probably being kind of uh picos or you know whatever you're well and, i and describe like, so, them as pigeons yeah yeah I like it's my only way to describe them in, in the english language without really pointing it out but yeah and but yeah. but like but like when you have a divide like that that actually kind of worries me for society because what that means to me is there's less of just the kids, and this is probably a metaphor in a sense for politics in general, but it's like you don't have a lot of people that are just kind of like fine, but they're not like vocal. You know, like I'm kind of for having a society where everyone doesn't need to be vocal, but they just coexist and support one another. But when you have like such loud voices on both sides, it tells me that that's probably not a healthy dynamic for a society. You know what I mean? You know, the best place that i could describe where you just can see anything and everything and nobody cares is camden town in london really yeah you go into camden town you could see as we call pijos which would uh how would you say that in in in, in, in well american voy, voy a preguntar algo en español muy rápido es uh, pijos son de la derecha no so so then i would say pijos are kind of like that wealthy preppy guys, would, you call them, would you call them preppy or is that wrong yeah it's kind of like the yeah I, I okay so for for the american listeners it would kind of be like the like new england yacht club conservative yeah. who doesn't care go. too much about like the rights of others as long as they're flourishing type of thing Wait. They wear yeah, yeah. the Patagonia vests and the boat shoes and walk exactly. around and, you know, they're like, yeah, Trump's bad, but I'm fine with him. It's kind of like how you see a lot of pijos at like Franco's grave before it was moved. There you go. Yeah, basically. It's it's that that's what it is. If you've got. Um, I think that's come, unfortunately, through the constant. The constant. um issues that we have here in politics you've mm-hmm. definitely got that divide and as we know i personally think that after october the first of i don't know how many years is it now with was, was that when i was in spain and there was the rajoy sending the Garda civil to um catalonia yeah the, the whole catalonian thing that they didn't want them to vote and it was all so it, it was an absolute mess in for my the opinion, listeners what what happened is Catalonia was trying Catalonia Spanish province has always felt detached from Spain kind of since the Spanish Civil War um Puigdemont the leader whose name I'm forgetting he wanted to hold a referendum to leave Spain and become an independent country I think it failed but it was kind of questionable but the central Madrid government kind of came down with an iron fist and it just divided things more anyways continue Sorry. there you go exactly so I think with that I mean, it really divided people. I mean, it, it was sort of like the 
that year, Christmas was a very interesting year for a lot of people because you, you know you get you get together for the family thing, and you'll have family members who are really angry about Catalonia and other family members going like, well, I don't see a problem with it. It really crashed. It really clashed a lot of. So I, I see that in a lot of the of, of the kids. I see a lot of the kids now wearing either rainbow bracelets, and you would know where they stand, or you have. The um yeah, the Spanish Vox like bracelets and you can just see the divide in the kids already. So God knows what that predicts for the future. You're not giving uh, me a lot of hope for <laughs> excuse me, for potential change when it comes well, to you know, anyways, sorry. Hey, the thing is, well, what I was saying about Camden Town is like, you know, London is a fashionable place, you know, fashionable place for people to go and visit. And I think I remember going for the first time to Camden Town and my eyes just got wider by the second. You'd see punks. <laughs> you'd see the sort of, I don't want to be in a bad terms or anything, but yeah, you get to see what a bit of the street life looks a bit, you know, like. Um, when I say that, I mean people who are clearly have been drinking nonstop for God knows how many days in a row, uh, maybe doing certain substances they shouldn't be doing, but it's there, it's in the open. Then you've got other people who've got really interesting styles of the way of dressing. You have gay couples, you have uh, straight couples, you have everything under what you could think of, you know, and nobody really bats an eyelid because it's Camden Town. That's what mm. you expect from that area. And nobody goes like, oh, let's get out of here. I mean, I'm sure there might have been some people who have been like, oh, no, this is too much for me. But as a whole... A lot of people love Camden Town because of that uniqueness. And you'll see, as we as we were talking about, pijos. Um, people who aren't pijos, a mix of everything. <laughs> it's just a mix of everything. It's, 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 so it's, yeah, it's a, it's a soup of everything. It's, you know, it's it's amazing because nobody say, nobody can say anything. Oh, you know, you, you look weird and you look strange or... You know, nobody can say that because everybody kind of just fits in that area. And that's that's what basically I would love for society to become, that everybody could just coexist and not have these overly judgmental thoughts on each other and just get on with it, you know. And I yeah. think this is where I, I see the kids in, at the school and I go like, wow, there is a, div there is a divide. However, I will say this. I'd never, I don't think I'd ever heard of these two opposite groups having a massive fallout in school. They just wouldn't either talk to each other or one or two would know somebody from the other group and would get along, but wouldn't really hang out with each other all the time. It would be they'll go back to their groups again. What, what, what I would describe as myself, I would have described myself as an in-betweener. You don't belong mm. to the cool group. You Me don't too. belong to, you know... Uh, and I feel sorry for them, but you know, the 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 you know the ones who didn't like sports and all that stuff, and they like computers and things like that. Um, it was the in betweener, and um, but I've never remember really. There was only one school where there was one student, particular student, who made it very very clear that she was definitely on the extreme alt right, and she would get into arguments with other students. Yeah, they felt she was too radical on that side. But in terms of the last school that I was at, yes, there's, you could see the divide. But I never really remember them clashing or heard of a 
huge, you know, falling out because of these things. So I have no idea. Teenagers change over the years. Your thoughts and the, uh, you know, what's its change over the years. You never know somebody who might have been once really uh, thinking of one way, and then as they get older and they've gone out traveling and blah blah blah, they suddenly start going actually. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm just not. It's not as bad as I, you know, think or whatever it was. You know. But so, but you know, because I mean, I I think you and I know some people that have gone down that journey. You know of mm-hmm. kind of self-reflection and change. But the problem is, is that, I, I mean, kids are such a product of their environment and their family and oh, what influences them. And it, it it takes a smart kid, a curious kid to really be able to step out of that. And look, I have maybe a nihilistic view of humans, but I don't think a lot of kids or adults either are really intellectually curious. And they kind of just... Mean- well, I don't know about in the U.S. I, well, I have an idea, but Spanish schools, and this is something I did a dissertation on, was the um, Spanish schools, to a degree, are very limited in what's allowing the students to 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 think for themselves. Their their exams are basically sounds like memorized. Florida. Their exams are basically memorize and repeat memorize and repeat memorize and repeat it's not think out of the box how else could we resolve this situation what other ways you know it was it's all about point it's a point system you know you've got to get these points to be able to get to here it's not how can i think for myself and think outside of the box it's memorize and repeat and that i think is really quite damaging for their way of thinking because they don't they don't have the opportunity to digest what they're, what they're, what, you know, whatever the activity may be, and then try and think of yeah. something. Yeah. Art. I remember there were, and I'm probably going too far into this. Or not, but, <laughs> it's you know, there, all the time in the world. <laughs> there, there was that, um, I remember being in an art class and there's four, you know, tables of four together. And the concept of the art project or whatnot was that for about a minute or 30 seconds, the kids with a, with a pencil would just draw whatever lines all over this paper, right? And then you pass it to the person to your right, and that person had to create a picture out of those yeah. random lines, whatever they could see, their imagination. And wow, so many kids came up to me going, like, I don't know what to do with this. How do I, what, what do I draw out of that? Or, um, is this okay? Is is this is this the right thing I should be drawing? It's like don't ask me. Whatever you see, whatever you see, you, you draw it. So many of the kids can't just drew a blank. I don't know what to do with that. Am I doing it right? Am I doing it wrong? Please tell me what I'm. You know how to guide this. And it's just like, wow. When I was that young, your brain is such an imagination, yeah. and yet these kids are looking for perfection. Like, what? How do I do this right? And that is, in my opinion. That's that's not it's wrong. I, I think kids need to really learn how to be able to express themselves and be able to express themselves in the correct way and 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 not based on here's a thing for Spain and, and the US, and here's a very big difference, right? Chat shows in Spain to this day still, you have a chat show with about five different people, it turns usually into a shouting fest. People don't listen to each other. People interrupt and cut each other off. 
Uh, it happens in, well, political debates, they have that sort of mediator to, to cut them off in their times. But chat shows in general, if they want to talk about politics or they want to talk about something that's happened with some famous person or other, it becomes a shouting match. In the U.S., I don't think I've seen ever seen that. Oh, I, I, I vehemently disagree with you. Oh, you do? You have? <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, no, that's the same. I mean, if you go on to like a CNN panel or a Fox News panel and you bring on like one conservative, say on CNN, they're yeah. all going to be screaming at each other by like oh, wow. minute five into it. People are not trained to, to be able to listen anymore. Like, not at all. Like, not like at people all. speak first, think second and comprehend never sometimes. I, that's very well exactly very well put i just uh you you have kids watching this and so they go oh that's how you deal with a problem okay cool i'll just shout louder than the other person you know my, my point yeah. will get across at some point yeah it i mean doesn't. i i think the the whole education system i i used to not think this but i think we need more creators we need more people that are creative minded and willing to like get that small picture you were talking about drawn by one student pass to them and go, how can I make this a fucking beautiful piece of art? There you go. You know? Something like and that. and yeah. like I've ranted on the podcast before about how I think we need more civic education and less just, I guess you could say success driven education where it's like, which school are you going to once you graduate? How are you going to get there? What are you going to do? Like we need to teach yeah. kids how to think, not there just interact with the system. And because the world's crazy, you know, it, it's, it's been insane for a long time. And, and, and to just be able to pass a test, life is more than tests. Life is about how do you, someone hands you a half drawn picture. What exactly. do you do with that? You know? And, and I, and I, I think a lot of our issues, I mean, cause, cause for, for, like from what I'm gathering from what you and I are talking about here is that there's a lot of issues in both our countries and oh, yeah. we're not really training our kids to be able to identify and change these issues, but just how do you get into the system and just su succeed? And maybe you need to do more than just succeed in a broken system. <laughs> I definitely, um, you know, it, it, it's, yeah, you've got a very sort of just a roundabout system that keeps going around in circles and it doesn't really, at times at the end really serve that purpose you know we need thinkers we need people who can solve things and to a point where they can discuss it without feeling they've got to shout it across and a lot of what we see now is shout 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 and the louder i get the more it's like it's like i always say because i've witnessed it people when you they've met somebody who doesn't quite the english is not their first language say they feel that if they shout it louder, maybe that person might understand them. And maybe you like, could say that for politics too. If they don't know what they're talking about, they just scream it. There you go. And it's like, you don't need to shout at them. You need to slow down and find other words that they might know to try and explain. And then they may understand it. But the more you shout at them, you're just treating them like an idiot. So it's like, it really doesn't help or get the point across. It's just... It's yeah, and you're just frustrating the person even more, and that yeah. you're not going to solve anything with that. So, um, yeah, I've yeah. been I've been center right, you know, kind of center center right for most of my young adulthood, and mm -hmm. I'll never forget. And like, because I I've talked with some buddies about this, how 
the more people yell at you or you feel uncomfortable in social surroundings, maybe mm-hmm. because of your difference of views, yeah. you become more reactionary and more extreme. And like, I'll never forget, I told someone I was a center right person and they're like, oh, you're a Trump supporter. And they started laying into me without even letting me explain that, no, I hate Trump. I think he's atrocious. I think he's a wannabe fascist. Mm-hmm. And without letting me explain, they just like attacked me for saying I was even on the center right. And then that just it, made me yeah. go, well, fuck, maybe I'll just become a Trumpist just because you guys are so nasty to me. You well, know what I mean? Like, it's like I told you, you know, what they have here for, for anybody who's left, uh, as they call a lefty, we're, we're suddenly deemed as all, all communists. Yeah, and I you seem like a where, communist. There you go. <laughs> you know, for me, it's just like, well, fine, I'm a communist then. If you want to call me a communist, I'll take it. Because, and I'm not, it's got nothing, I'm not. But if you're going to name me that continuously, then you like you say, fuck it, go for it. Name me what you want to name me. I, I really, you know, it's a load of BS in my opinion, but if that's what you're going to label me, um, I couldn't be anywhere closer to, to a communist. But hey, if they're going to label me for it, let, let you know the labels, the wonderful labels as we describe them, right? So, I I think we summed up a lot of the issues of our society is that when you don't listen and you point fingers and call people something they're not, then they actually it's a self fulfilling prophecy. They become that, you know. And I I think like in the U.S. there's a pretty f- fun, ironically speaking, fun phenomenon where there's a lot of people and on the Republican side that never mm-hmm. actually supported Trump, but mm-hmm they hated how the left was responding to Trump so much mm. that they ended up defending Trump. Well, it's based on, you know, that reminds me of going back to Catalonia again. There are a heck of a lot of Catal- Catalonians or Catalonians or whatnot mm. who who were probably ready to vote to remain in, in, in Spain. And then, you know, uh, the shit show happened and a lot of them went like, actually... The way you just dealt with that was the worst possible way. And actually, no, now I do want to be independent. I want to be away from Spain. And that's what caused a lot of a, a lot of anger. Um, but, you know, reverting back to the whole idea of what we were talking about, of, of Rubiales, you know, everybody just pointed a finger at the poor, well, poor guy, whatever. Yeah, I wouldn't um, say poor guy, but I wouldn't say poor guy, no. But it's going back to that. Well, he started shouting, didn't he? I will not resign. I will not resign. You guys are all naming me sexist, macho, etc. I will not resign. Um, is that is that defensive mechanism, basically? Yeah, um, no, that's a good way to put it. Is defensive mechanism. And we all have it in us because I think when you're challenged, especially when you feel like the heat is on you, you're not going to turn off the stove. You're going to kind of bounce back in a reactionary mode and just be triggered in a sense. Exactly. Exactly. So, Um, all right, guys. So sorry to cut it off, but that is the end of part one of the interview with Maria, or I guess you could say conversation with Maria. The next part will air tomorrow. 
we have another hour of talking just because the podcast is usually, you know, about 30 minutes on average. I wanted to split it up, but a lot of fun there breaking down just a myriad of topics and kind of relating a myriad of topics to what's going on involving sexism, feminism, political demonization, issues with education. I I really enjoyed how Maria brought up the point that kids in school aren't taught to be problem solvers or creators anymore. And part of me thinks that actually is a really nuanced look at some of the biggest issues in our country right now and in Spain and around the world. Tomorrow, you will hear Maria talk more about her time playing semi-professional soccer in Spain, what she thinks about just sexism in the country, racism, the corrupt dynamics of FIFA, other international sports organizations, and we'll do a little fun countdown and talk about what she thinks of American politics and all that. So anyways, you can find me on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, you guys know the rest, and we'll be back with part two tomorrow. Adios. Adios.